What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another Wednesday afternoon for John Wick, Chapter 2, the sequel to 2014's surprise, magnanimous, incredible, fantastic, wonderful hit. We're so excited to break the whole thing down for you, and yeah, I'm back. We'll see you guys in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. Boom! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Every time I hear the song now, oh, it's just so exciting. You guys are amped. It's just like <laughs> sick. The song be. is just amazing. I love it. Wow. Well, we realized yeah. after doing the training day episode that we were the most pumped when this song <laughs> came on. So we're like, we'll just fucking use it every episode. Every episode. Yeah. It's the theme song. Guys, welcome to the show. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy, the only show on the Popcorn Talk Network or in the world breaking down only the greatest action movies of all time. Today, we're covering John Wick Chapter 2. I'm your host, Ben Bateman. Joined today... By two very special people. We're going to start with our special yeah, guest he's today. Special. He is a filmmaker. He yes. is the CEO of Envelop Entertainment. His name is Brant Pinvidic. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, thank you, boys. Thanks but for having me. Very excited. He's in love with John Wick. I yeah. am. Yeah. And listen, I love you guys. I watch your stuff all the time. So oh, cool. I lo- finding fellow action movie aficionados is very difficult. Yeah. Particularly in today's sort of ultra soft world. Yes. So, yes. Right. So it's, it was. It's exciting to be here. Yeah. Thank yeah, you for coming, yeah. man. When I talked to you last week, you were like, "John Wick is my favorite." I was like, yeah. "Well, it's a perfect yeah. time. I guess you got to just come on next week. Yeah, That's the only way we're exciting. gonna do it." So, and I saw it last night. So I'm all fresh. Yeah. yeah. John Wicked up. Yeah. So, so we got my co-creator, co-producer, and co-host, Mr. Andrew Guy. What's up, everybody? I'm John Wicked out and all black. Looking the good. Dry cleaner did not mess up today. Neither like of us the Men in Black episode. did the button though, right? He does no, like the well, little time I want button. That- Thing. I want yeah. that like bar that goes through. It. Yeah, you got one of those. I yeah. do. I got several. See, yeah, I, I have the tight clips. I don't have the tight bars. Yeah, the little thing through here. That's I don't right. Know yeah. Anyway, anyway, we did it anyway. <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. This is Action Movie Anatomy. We're gonna break down John Wick two for you today. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an exciting one. John Wick one. I realized was the episode we did the week that this show hit a million total views. Absolutely. I remember yeah. this. Steph Z was on. Yep. We had a bottle of Johnny Walker. I think we did. And we uh, pretty drunk. It was great. It was a really exciting day. That was like a year and change ago and now we're at 10 million almost on the show wow. so it's amazing what can happen in a year yeah amazing it's a lot it's been well, a congratulations really fun year. steph Thank is you. just really good luck steph z was on for our first episode yeah. that hit a million views yep and she was on when our show hit a million views and anyway steph we love Hats you we miss steph you steph z. wait till you see what i could do yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> this is gonna be now crazy. you guys are really gonna take off <laughs> so guys we break down action movies on the show those action movies adhere to four basic rules aside from being made after 1981 which is like a soft rule that's mm-hmm. not like really something we stick to the rule number one is the hero always plays by their own rules so john wick yeah Qualified. Absolutely, no question. Rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, animals, dinosaurs, bears, whatever in the room. And John Wick definitely is. This guy's an idiot. He's not really the smartest guy in the room. Yeah, he's an idiot, but thank God they gave him a little bit more vibrato and more evilness than, like, bad guys in the Mission Impossible new movies or new James Bond or the first movies. Yeah, or but the first to be genre. fair, though, he's the smartest guy in the room yeah. in the room's calculation of that. In what he needs to be doing, mm-hmm. he's the smartest guy right. in that. He he's assessing everything. Yeah, yeah. He's making the call. That's why he continues to live and everybody else dies, because he's say. the smartest in that particular thing. I wouldn't put him in a Mensa exam or any of those things. He'd have trouble. Yeah, he's no Hans Gruber, That's but right. he's got, and, yeah, it's a good point. And he would have survived. 
Yeah. John Wick actually had to break the his rules, rules yeah, in order to kill point. this guy. This guy yeah. was actually... This, he knew there was one place he could go. He loves duck fat. Yeah. So yes. well, he, he could stay here for a long time and yes. never eat the same never thing. Never eat the same meal. Yeah. <laughs> Rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, or political figure. We add mercenary to this category, and John Wick is mercenary, so mm-hmm. uh, it's an <clears throat> easy one. And and, and they, the sort of bad guy syndicate... Yeah, um, of the of the continent that sort of feels like sort of a, a, a political military type thing. They sort of it's police like the Illuminati. Yeah, yeah they yeah, police yeah, the yeah, group. Yeah, yeah. So I, I qualify that. As Actually, well. excuse me, it's more like the skulls. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Rule number four: the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Yeah, there's right. There's a handful in this movie. I mean, his whole house gets blown up. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, was a big, one. Yeah. big explosion. Yeah. Huge explosion. They don't yeah. kill the dog. That you, was good. I was glad knew, they didn't kill the dog. You can't kill the dog twice. Yeah, that would have been I mean, brutal. Yeah, I mean, it kind of would have been some like I think it would have been really dark comedy, but I'm glad they didn't. No, it would have been yeah. Yeah. comedy too much. Like I think it would have been one of those things where you're just Spoiler like, God, this is so bleak. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, in any case, that's the rules of the show. It pretty much fits. Fits better than some movies we do. Absolutely. And uh, if you guys want to follow along in the conversation, we have some folks in the live chat. You can find us on Twitter. Each one of us is available. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Andrew, where can the folks find you? Oh, uh, you guys can find me in the same two places at Andrew Guy. And I'm at Brad Pinvinick on all those things, those social media thing immediately. Excellent. And you've got a film that came out a couple years ago and another one out now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, both with similar titles, Why I'm Not on Facebook and Why I'm Not on Pokemon Go. Yep. So if people want to like see what you actually do creatively, they can yeah. watch those as well. Can That's you right. Just a quick breakdown of what that is, because I was looking at it and I was looking at it last night. It was super late, and I wanted to get more into it, but like I didn't have the time. So tell so, me a little bit more and tell the audience about po- why I'm not on Pokemon Go. So it was a continuation of my Why I'm Not on Facebook series, which mm-hmm. was my first feature-length documentary. And so what I did was I took a subject, pop culture, very popular, Facebook. I wasn't on Facebook, hated Facebook, and I decided to do sort of like a 360 comedic view of why I'm not on this and what are really people like. And so it, it did very well and did very well internationally and. And so as I looked to expand that franchise, I looked for other sort of pop culture fads or things that are very popular, people talking about that I would normally be super judgmental about. And Pokemon Go was the perfect thing at the time. Right. It was like, why are these idiots playing this game? My wife was playing it. Everybody I knew was playing it. I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But I learned from the Facebook thing, like sometimes if everybody's doing it and I'm the one not doing it, maybe I might be the problem right. in this sort of thing. Well, so Pokemon Go left after like six weeks, so there's a reason the people, you were, yeah. you were dead right on yeah. that one. Facebook is still a juggernaut, yes. but... Yeah. So it, it was a so I basically do sort of a, a, a comedic documentary look at those things. So now yeah. I'm expanding that into a few other areas. I have a podcast here with with Afterbuzz as well, starting uh, March first. Cool. And so I'll be doing why I'm not on various subjects That's every so week. Cool. So cool. It'd be kind of cool. I am a huge Pokemon fan. You knew this about yeah. me. I yep. die hard. Had all the cards. <laughs> loved the movies. Played the games uh, growing up. But I was the same way, man. I was like, I'm not gonna fucking play Pokemon Go. I don't know why. I don't know if it's like it might have been the same thing as when John Wick came out last year. And everyone's like, it's so good. You have to. To see it. Yeah. I don't know if that's like the stubborn resilient right, of person course. in me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but I need to check this out because I still never got on it. Yeah, I, and I never hopped on the train. The movie, it's a short. It's on YouTube. Yeah. It's free, which mm-hmm. helps why it's done so well, I think. People don't have to pay for it. Hey, we um, do free stuff. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> uh, and so, but it really ended up not being about Pokemon Go itself. Like, it is an explanation of the game. It isn't about how to... It's none of that. Right. It's basically my 13-year-old daughter, I caught her sneaking out of the house to play the game, which sort of triggered <laughs> to me, like, something is wrong. Like, she's not going sneaking out to go have sex with her boyfriend. Right, or she's going out to walk around the neighborhood and hatch Pokemon eggs, which right. is just <laughs> dumb. So, it really turned into an exploration of the relationship that I had with my daughter, why she liked the game, how I wasn't communicating with her 
in the real world what she liked and and so I started to understand the appeal of the game as opposed to making a movie about the game it was very it tur- turned very personal and that's sort of my approach to these subjects is I'm a very judgmental person so yeah. is everybody Everyone so is. you know yeah, right. and I've just decided like maybe I'll look into things just one step deeper before I cast judgment yeah. and so far when I do that it's like I'm the jackass so she, I'm two for two for being the jackass she was sneaking out to play Pokemon you're like you're like you get three strikes sweetheart use yeah. your strikes better yeah. your strikes way better than this <laughs> yeah, it was me. crazy so it's amazing uh, alright guys well uh, you can check that out and we will talk to you a little bit more about what you have coming at the end of the show but for right now we're going to get into the trailer for John Wick 2 we're going to examine what we saw here what we saw in the theaters and then get into thesis statement there will be spoilers in this episode yeah this is that weird thing they're doing now where they they front porch trailers with like one and a half seconds I don't really know it's weird I need you to do this task I'm not that guy I need you to stay on it I'm not that guy you're always that guy John I can't help you you know the rules if you don't do this you know the consequences yeah Now that you know the character fit, it's yeah. perfect. Oh, yeah. I love this. Yeah. The world is it's so, so cool. It was the coolest Fantastic. part of the whole movie, by far. The contract has gone international. You have no idea what's coming. I like that they all had the same phone, right? Like all that weird oh, phone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please get this man a gun. Did you notice that Lawrence Fisher was sending out phone? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like SIM cards on the carrier pigeons, yeah. To him, this isn't vengeance. This is justice. The you see in all these spy movies is, unless it's like a gadget to do something, they all use old phones, like old yeah. tosser burner phones. Yeah. I'll kill them all. I'll kill them all. Of course you will. Watching the trailer makes me feel like this movie was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Actually, I, I'll I, try and do I really liked it. I didn't like love, love it. I really liked it. But then the trailer the makes me feel like I loved it. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. The trailer yeah. gets you stoked. Yeah, the trailer's yeah. pretty good. That was a good trailer. It's got a lot of sweet action. But also, like some of the like you saw the clips of scenes, and then I remember the whole scene. The whole scene is like insane. So maybe it balances out. I don't yeah. Know. Uh, so we're gonna get into thesis statement, guys. This is that thing we do every show where we share our boldest, biggest, most profound statement about the film. If somebody walks up to you to party, and they're like, "Hey, I just saw Armageddon." You're like, "Let me tell you about Armageddon." You have your your thing you can convince them of. So it should be almost rooted in hyperbole, uh, very fact driven. Not like this is my favorite John Wick or my favorite Keanu. This is no, no, no. the greatest Keanu Reeves film ever. The Things first, like that. the only. If it's an mm-hmm. opinion, it should be, this is the reason, this is the way it is. Yep. Uh, so we're each going to share ours. Would one of you like to jump in with yours first? I want to either go first or last. I'll go first. Okay. I'll go first. All right. Um, John Wick's success as a cult classic and the success of John Wick 2 is proof once again that Hollywood has no idea what it's doing right now <laughs> when it comes to non-franchised action films. None at all. Taken was the first example we got eight, nine years ago. John Wick's the same thing. Why do you say no idea? Because I feel like they're definitely pigeonholing the idea. Like with, I feel like with the Wicks, the Reachers, and the Equalizers of the world, they're getting like steps closer to what they want. Well, here's what I think. So if you look at the movies that Keanu Reeves did before John Wick 1, his career was flattering. He was in a place where he wasn't doing high-profile movies. I mean, 
2008, I think he did like the day the earth stood still or something like that. Yes, very the, bad. The next six years was like some combination of Lake House-esque movies, movies that nobody was watching, essentially. Mm-hmm. If they knew this movie was going to be a success, they wouldn't have cast Keanu Reeves, is the bottom line. There was other people in 2014 mm-hmm. that were much more bankable than Keanu Reeves. It's the same thing in 2008. If they knew Taken was going to have two sequels and make much more money with the second and third movie, they wouldn't have cast Liam Neeson. Listen, he, if, if you could sort of predict like that, you could be a great studio yeah, exactly. 100%. So what I'm but saying But when you is, come and pitch the, the movie of a first-time director and a writer who's a stuntman and say, hey, we have a, uh, an action movie where he just kills people over his dog yeah. and it stars Keanu Reeves, I don't know that it's fair to look at the studios and be like, wow, they should have green like that. That was an totally, obvious one. Because in an interview that I was watching today with, with Basil Iwaniak, he was yeah. talking about how he was trying to romanticize the first movie yeah and it was actually an interview done by Collider and he's like you know it's, it's more than a story about a guy that lost his dog you know we didn't want it to just be that and the guy's like that's what it is yeah. that's why we love it it's about a guy going on a vengeance trip because they killed his dog and, the, and Basil was like I mean Basil or how you said he was like yeah I mean you're right so I, I do agree with you to an extent. Well, here's what I mean, though. If you look back in the old days, it wasn't that all of the tentpole movies in the summer were driven by franchises and superheroes and Harry Agreed. Potter 6 and 7. You didn't have 7, 8 Fast and Furious movies. Back then, when you made the 7th and 8th thing, it was Police Academy. Nobody saw those movies. Yes. You, yeah. could, you could do Cliffhanger. You could do Commando. You could do Predator. And people would see the movies. They would go to the theater to see an original franchise with a star, and that's how it worked. And nowadays, they try that. That often fails. So what I'm saying is... I think we're in an era because of Redbox Generation where everything is VOD and and you can basically make a movie for 20, 30, 40 million dollars, hope to make your money back. There's no there is no precedent anymore for making movies like this. John Wick is an accident. So it's taken. Yes. Like, yeah, absolutely. But also you, what you're what you're failing to understand is the proliferation of content itself has contributed to this because at the end of the day you can't get noticed in today's world of content you can't put out a movie without stars and a hook and expect people to get there and 40 million dollars you need people to get there so to pitch the idea of john wick was kind of absurd so when lionsgate sort of took this risk i would say that's like a very bold move on their statement on their half behalf because you could not have expected people to find this movie and if it wasn't what it was if it was one misstep off right one headshot away from being a piece of shit yeah and you know what everything worked it was the it's like the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl right. come back in the fourth quarter of movies where every single thing had to work exactly perfect to make that movie work. And it's not possible for anybody to sort of predict these things. I agree. So yeah. you're dead right about that. What I'm trying to say is I think it was easier back in the day. There was more of a formula that yes. worked. And nowadays it's just this... this is proof to me like that they're willing to bankroll this movie now and Keanu Reeves is a massive star again because of John Wick is like yeah nobody has any idea what they're doing and you yeah, can't, yeah, I mean, I'm you not saying to, it's their fault I'm no, just saying it's, it, it, by the way and you're 100% right same thing we do in TV it's completely random and 90% of the things we do fail so yeah. guess yeah, what I mean, we don't know shit about shit equivalent of striking right. gold or oil in the movie business yeah. Yeah. but in the 1990s there's no YouTube yeah. yeah, there's no Netflix. There's no stars to drive a movie. Content. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like when you put out a movie on the weekend, that's the movie mm-hmm. on the weekend. Yeah. And that's it. There's nowhere else to get it. And you could go down to Blockbuster and rent last, like a year ago movie. Because remember, they held those things from the theater yeah. for like six months, yeah. nine months. So yeah, you could launch all those movies, and they all sort of get sampled. So, but now there is no version of that. Yeah. Like. You don't have to go to the movies on the weekend. It makes it makes know? the success of a John Wick that much more impressive. That so, much more impressive. That is my thesis. Uh, who wants to go next? What do you got, Brent? Okay. 
John Wick 2. Yep. John Wick 2 is the most advanced, skilled, choreographed extras and stuntmen in movie making history. Wow. John Wick 2. John Wick 2. I'm going to have to strongly disagree with Mad Max Fury Road. No. Ooh. That's insane. Yeah, Here's the good, thing. Okay. Here's why I state this this way. Okay. When you look at the way John Wick 2 was shot, right. and the number of incoming behind-the-shoulder shots of Keanu Reeves, headshotting and chest-shotting and shooting over and over again, I want you to, for a minute, right. picture being an extra or a stuntman trying to choreograph that moment. When he pulls the trigger and your squip goes off, and you have to sell the audience that you just got your head blown off, and now you have to be completely still. By the way, the key to the movies, both of them, were the number of headshots and the That's way true. they were... Final executed. in that executed, yeah. right? Yeah. When you watch this movie, there are 15 of them going on at once, over and over again, in single camera shots. Yeah. And I was watching, because there's a lot of them, so you mm-hmm. can think a lot of things. You have time. I was like, how on earth do they time all of this yeah. and sell it? If you're in Mad Max, getting blown up, getting thrown off a thing is good, amazing stunt work. Right. But the choreographed moves that they had to pull off in John Wick 2 was... Absolutely astronomical. I will jump on our, Andrew's point though and say when we did the Mad Max episode, we pulled the 25 minute behind the scenes B roll stuff, and it's no cuts, single cam, watching what's happening from like 100 feet away. And you have Circus Ole actors that are on swinging poles between two moving convoys, changing changing sticks and jumping from car to car holding your leading actor's with face real next explosions to the going off yeah. I mean I, I, I agree with you pulling it's away from what you're unbelievable. saying yeah. and I would say it's at least on par but I think to unequivocally say it and it's your thesis so that's my thesis exactly. and I'm sticking with it yeah. absolutely I like you it should. I just know that the timing of that is listen they could have shot the one in, in Mad Max 15 different times and yeah. used probably all 15 takes because you have no idea what it's supposed to look like sure. or how it's supposed mm-hmm. to work in John Wick when he pulls a trigger at your head you have to do it exactly and precisely. And they did it every time. And there was six of them in the same area right. doing the same thing. It's like, to time that is ridiculously difficult. The precision is what makes the, the movie precision what it is. The precision is un... It was unbelievable. When, when you think about editing, those... filming, yeah. the yeah. blood splatter, the, the yes. precision in every movement in this film. What I was going to say is I was listening to a Keanu Reeves interview this week and he is legendary in the action circle for the number of moves he can do in one take without a yeah. cut. Yep. The number of choreographed yeah. moves. Like Cruise-esque in Last Samurai kind of a yeah. thing. Uh, but like it's like 16, 18, 19 moves without a cut of choreographed. So that's probably how they're able to do it is like... And by the way, he get, can rehearse the same thing over and over oh, again and yeah. make it happen, but to have 15 extras and stunt guys, yeah. in that kind of timing, for I think the gunshots, and particularly gunshots of the head, where it's not like, oh, my chest! And, right. and it's it's like, just like a quick neck snap and a fall. That's right. And it was not the church flawless. Scene. It's not the church scene from Kingsman, Kingsman where, where you it's just sped up, and you're yeah. which is unbelievable, yeah. but it's like much easier to shoot that because you can do everything yes. in slow motion. Slow, and then you just speed it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. So, what do you got, Andrew? So my thesis is that this... The only reason we always talk about this on the show that the best parts of every action movie are not the action scenes. Although with John Wick, it's pretty damn hard to argue that yeah. it's actually the scenes in between, and yeah. I still think that holds true in this film. Not necessarily that there's like great gravitas and acting and tour de forces. No, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm talking about this intricate world that they created for the Continental and the Hitman Society. This this international yeah. world. This that is in and out and every single aspect of life from the most like all the way up to the Pope down to every single homeless person in New York for instance so I think that the only reason this movie is as successful as it is 
is because they created a world that was so fascinating and believable that as an audience member, you're like, fuck yeah, I'm on board. Like, if John Wick's going to go around and kill people all over the world, he has to have a real way to do this. Yeah. How do they, they have... They have uh, blueprints of the catacombs in Rome. They yeah. they have everything, and I thought that was the coolest thing about this movie. The attention to detail with that stuff was like so cool. He goes to see the gun sommelier, yeah. and all and just you know all of the like like metaphors for you know the big bold finish the lingo exactly. I and loved dessert. it. Yeah, yeah, it was you know. so cool. I mean, just every part of it. I loved and I love this the tailor and he's got the. I mean, it was way over the top, obviously. By the but end it, of it, but like, it's perfect. Yeah, you know, yeah, in yeah. these type of movies, that was the coolest thing. I mean, what was the coolest thing about every single? Piece Pierce Brosnan and James Bond. Yeah, right. It was when he goes to talk to Q. Yeah, he gets, he gets his cool gadgets, gadgets. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. It was, it was very similar with Kingsman. Like all, yeah. of the, it's, that's one of the things that made Kingsman. I so did cool. feel like they gave a nod to the people that loved the movie to say, like, okay, we're going to give you a little more fun in this yeah. one. We're going to yeah. have to play with it. We're not going to try to connect the dots in such an intricate way mm-hmm. that you have to not have your suspense of disbelief. Once you're in, let's have a little fun. Well, and yeah. I like that it was like, it felt like a nod to an audience that knew what was going on. Well, yeah, and you, you were there with me. Yeah, and yeah. you heard, I was laughing like the whole yeah, movie, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it wasn't like, this is ridiculous. It was like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. This is exactly what I want. Well, because I think one thing I noticed was the first movie is like, he should have been dead for sure. Yeah. But but it was like, okay, but he's he's like just pushing himself. This movie, he was a superhero. This yeah, movie, he should have been dead 17 times yeah, and that was my that's my main criticism of this particular Which movie, is really the superhero totally aspect of it was too much for me. Just him getting hit by cars. And yeah, just getting, well, and yeah. It, his magical suit was just like, yeah. come on. There's too like, much of this, like, just kind of holding, like, laser. Yeah, he was like, oh, like, a, like Batman's yeah, cape. Yeah. Like, no. And, and I don't think it needed that. I Like, I don't want to get too critical of the movie because yeah, I did I love agree, it. I agree, though, yeah. But I think if they had dialed some of the number of bad guys, yeah. the number of firing shots that they had to do, the people he mm-hmm. killed, yeah. it would have kept it a little more, I hate to say believable because it's but, so absurd, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> like it was, He had a superhero quality that uh, that detracted from the character for me. I get yeah. you on that. And, oh, I, yeah. and I needed him to be... A little more realistic in his awesome snipering, super bad guy. I'm a crazy assassin, and it was more like I'm Spider Man kind yeah. of thing, which I thought was like it was just too a little too much. Yeah. One, one thing that I did, I, I mean, and to hop on that, I totally agree. One thing that we talk about in improv, and I always reference improv when I, on the show, is you don't have to talk about. If you're going like this, you don't need to say you're holding a gun. Yeah. The audience can figure it out that you're probably holding a gun. Yep. So, for instance, if you had this big, long breakdown and, like, his tailored suit and the crotch is tactical and it's bulletproof, yeah. you don't need to show us every single time he's battling that his coat is bulletproof. Right. It reminds us consistently this. and constantly. It's yeah. so redundant. You're like, we get it. Yeah. Stop holding it. Because, honestly, if you're going to hold up your suit like this and it's bulletproof, if it gets shot, the it just thing's goes just right. going to flip up. Well, and, you know? yeah. and like, the truth is, is, like, you can't get hit. With that suit, like you won't yeah. die, but you're out. Yeah, you're done. And when him and Common exchange those few yeah, shots, yeah. Like, and by cool. the way, I would have been okay with that if that yeah. was the one, or that maybe cool. one other one. Yeah. And if you would have had a little bit more reaction to the sort of bullet that actually like yeah rocked you, I would have been okay with that because then it would have been like, okay, he's going to kill a lot of people, and there's going to be a lot of shots exchanged, and so he's going to get shot a couple times. Yeah. And I would have been okay with that, but this was he couldn't get shot. Yeah. You couldn't shoot the guy back and you're like, "Okay, like at some point the coolness of his moves is like, you don't need all those obviously. John, you could just go up and just yeah, walk just through it, it out." Yeah. yeah. And audience, we're not saying that the suit isn't awesome. Trust me. We oh, think the suit is suit awesome. Super you can sweet. just always yeah. 
reel things in just a little bit. Yes. Uh, I mean, but the nature of this movie was to not reel things in. It totally. Was too- uh, I want to jump in with this real quick because we have we we had AMA questions. We only had a few this week, and and I kind of touched on it. Um, a little bit just now, but I want to talk about it just a little bit more. This is from Josh Ryan Sports. He always asks great questions. He says, is this the greatest pure action sequel of all time? Pure action sequel of all time. So you immediately count out Terminator 2 because that movie is rooted in more of a dramatic... So I have a, a little list here. And, and it's, he, okay. T2's it's the, the first greatest one action movie of all time. Terminator 2. T2's the but first one that pops in my mind. So. X2 is next. X2 is Spider-Man 2. Action. Yeah, and action. Aliens. Yeah, Aliens mm. is the best example of straight action because right. it's everything so different from the first movie. Hmm. I don't know if you have any or, or like if if you have any that pop into mind. Like some that that I do, they aren't strictly action. They're sure. mostly action yeah. dramas or like fantasy action, like you know Lord of the Rings. Two yeah, Towers. Two Towers has a lot of great action. But and a lot of the other ones on the list fell in that category. So, is this the greatest pure action sequel of all time? How do you guys do? You guys have anything to weigh in on that? I think it's this is a unique movie. Okay, direct sequel because direct sequel. Because Mad Max Free Road is a sequel. No, direct sequel. So not the, the fourth, second, the second. film. Yeah. If it's the second film, then I think probably the answer is yes. I really? mean, only because we've almost never really seen action executed in a movie to the degree that either the first or second movie did. Uh, yeah, it's, I think if you narrow down the field enough yeah. and and close the doors to a lot of these things and say pure action, yeah. there aren't a lot of good movies to begin with. So the fact that this one is, is good and holds your attention and is really super cool... Even the criticisms make it probably the best of the mediocre, just pure action movies. I mean, the yeah. visceral nature of the action sequences in this movie. Are, oh, so what did somebody just say? The Raid Two. So yeah, the Raid Two. It's interesting, but I the thing that's tough is the Raid One is so much better. In oh, my the Raid mind. Redemption is the first. The Raid Redemption one. is that's the right, first. They just renamed one. it, and I feel like the Raid Redemption is so much better than the Raid Two. Whereas. If John Wick and John Wick 2, like, John Wick is better than John Wick 2, in my opinion, yeah. but yes. it's not, like, leaps and bounds greater, Ooh. you know? I think it's better, but I, don't, I think the Raid 2 and the Raid Redemption Leaps and half a bound. Yeah, I maybe half a bound. There yeah. we go. And a full leap. Yeah, two, and a leap full two leaps and half a and bound. A half a bound. <laughs> to yeah. acknowledge you, Josh, I mean, the action in this movie is groundbreaking. Like, it, it yeah. really is. So, yeah, so still is. And I would say, so the answer to that question is probably yes. But if somebody was to tweet at us and let us know that they had a different opinion, I don't know that I could say invariably you're wrong. So, yeah. All right, moving on. Um, yeah, let's get into the most awesome things about the movie. This is yes. fist pump moment, guys. This is that moment in the movie. Something happens. You look around. You're like, are you seeing this right now? You watch the movie at home. Maybe you call your buddy. Like, go go to 1732. Right now, I know you've seen the movie. Just go right now. You have to watch this. I'm this having so dinner great. with my grandmother, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. This is so good. You have to watch this. And it's just the fucking greatest thing. It can be anything. It can be a headshot. It can be the music. It can be the title credits. A co-star. Anything. Um, this movie is one of those movies that the is the whole thing yeah. is a fist pump. It's yeah. constructed to be one giant exploding fist pump the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for my money, the fist pump moment in this movie, I thought it was the car swing, but I'll leave yeah, that. Yeah, because you and I both we yeah. looked at we kind of fist pumped in the beginning when he does Close. the car swing into the pole, which Close. is great. It's when the seven million dollar contract goes out. And Wick gets confronted in that fucking uh, subway. Uh, yeah. He ends up doing the pencil move. Yeah, and it's the whole combination of that assassinate. Like they're trying to kill him. He takes down three people, and then the, the fucking pencil. And then the yeah. pencil, dude, just like through the ear. It was like yeah. it was everything that yeah, Joker like, did. Through the ear, and he kept hitting it. Everything like, that Joker did, but even more graphic. And then he pulls the guy off, and he's still got the pencil. Yeah, it was one of those like, oh, yes! yeah, like, that was pretty good. It yeah, was brilliant. That was, was so just 
just violent. Just yeah, it was amazing. amazing. And the yeah. big Subo guy starts to get up, and he's already shot him through the top of the <laughs> yeah, head. He has to pop him again. Yeah, that was nuts. Was hilarious. You guys are to me. savage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> love it. Amazing. All right. Mine, it was going to be the car flip as well because yeah. it happened so early on. You're like, fuck yes. It's really is, cool. Move. It's so yeah. good. And it's hilarious. Yeah. The guy's like, and you can away. see it coming for <laughs> yeah. a little bit. And you're like, oh, oh yeah. And it's like so much more brutal than you think it's yeah. going to be. But I think mine is the whole sequence with the sh- with the shotgun, the tactical shotgun that's yeah. fully automatic. Like, maybe the, the very last part where he puts the last clip in and shoots the dude in the head. Yeah. But every shot with that shotgun is so devastating. Yeah. Like, I was sitting there just like, oh, oh. Like it was yeah. like a, I was like a kid watching yeah. my favorite thing in the world happen. Like the headshots, the leg shots. Yeah. It was just people were getting destroyed. Yeah. They set it up so well too. And this is the thing about it that's so great. It's like as an action movie, it's brilliant for him to go in just like a video game, leave his guns in place. Yep. So you're like, he's gonna come back through here, and you're like, when's he gonna get to the shotgun? Yeah, right. He's exactly. gonna finish it off with a shotgun, and each one's even better. You know, it's like he's devastating with a pistol. Then he's got the fucking awesome rifle. Yeah, the AR, yeah. And then the shotgun. Yeah, I agree. That was unbelievable. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, mine's a little more nuanced. Okay. A little bit more, <laughs> Can be anything, a little yeah. bit more of a focused moment fair, than this wild thing. So, <laughs> and for me, when I look at literally, it's like when was that moment? I was like, oh shit, it's on yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Was after the assassination, mm-hmm. after Common, and he started the first run. There was a moment he killed a guy on the dance floor. It was amazing. He got just off the dance floor in the back, and he it was a over the shoulder shot, and it was a long view shot, and a guy came around the corner, and it was this perfectly executed body headshot bang bang and the extra was in clear view over his shoulder and the perfect shot of like bang bang in the head yeah. and he dropped like an absolute sack of potatoes yes. and I was like holy shit yeah because you hadn't seen much of that if it was if it's a sniper movie it's you just see a close up of the person right yeah. If it's uh, if, if it's most of the gunplay, it's at close range or you cut to see the shot. This was a long range shot where the extra came in and he was it was a full screen view. Right. You're talking and about he's like bang bang. He's next to the big white orb. Yes, and yes. it splatters on the orb right here. Yes, right. Yeah. And you're just like yeah. And the extra <gasps> co- and the and the extra comes running into the scene and he just goes bang bang. It's body head perfect. and the guy just goes bang bang and it's sh- video game filmmaking and it's, I was like oh yeah it's like yeah. better than video game filmmaking because yes. you're never that accurate what yeah if, so uh yeah, yeah it was sick we just covered collateral on the show a few weeks ago ah, and that is one, one of those best. movies where yeah. it's like bang bang headshot that yeah. Tom yeah. Cruise because he's like a, he's a he's a fucking surgeon double yeah. tap yeah. entry wound of the sternum and yeah. one of the head, head. yes <laughs> and but that's yeah. what this was but I would say film better than almost anyone I've ever seen I've never seen one film that that good and give that a real life effect because it's it's at the depth and it's like there was no cutting you didn't yeah. have to cut to the bad guy getting shot right the devastation really cool. of the bullets landing is one of the most yeah. satisfying things to yeah. watch but in this movie. didn't you find that like I found it got too video gamey yeah. in the catacombs like it was there was so many people and so many shots that it's like I wanted to appreciate the maestro at play here and I even found with the jujitsu, which I'm a crazy jujitsu fan, yeah. And all of the sort of action, I found like it was so much, so many that it kind of like I wanted to like breathe it in a little bit and, yeah. and enjoy it. Like, and they had in John Wick the original, it was a little bit more of the individual one-on-one bad guys that had some real stakes and he had to overcome them. And the way he did that. I got to enjoy more. I found there was a lot of the gunplay here that I didn't get to enjoy as much because it, it was turned into like a video game just yeah. blasting. And it's because they want quality over quantity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, quantity over quality yes. when they should have switched it because... Because they right. had both. Exactly. They had both. And there's the thing, literally all of our complaints are coming from 
overdoing things like yes. getting shot too many times, killing too many people, having too many of the same jujitsu moves. Which yeah. by the end of it, it's like you know he's going to do the flip. You yeah. know he's going to like he did it maybe ten times in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that this is or this thirty. Would, yeah, yeah, or yeah. thirty yeah. exactly. Like quality suffered from quantity. Yeah, time. I mean it was a little too. It was like a little bit of the Man of Steel effect. You know, in Man of Steel, mm-hmm. once the fight starts over the city, but after two minutes of it, you're like. I'm yeah, over this. You're going to go through more buildings. I don't need to see you blow up more buildings. Like yeah. This is just not exciting anymore. And not to say that it wasn't cool. But it was super cool. The coolest thing in both John Wick movies to me is this, the very first assassination in his house. That entire sequence where he takes out the, like, whatever it is, like 11 oh, guys. the very first time you see he him He kills fight. all the guys. He does yeah. the flip once or twice. He's perfect on his shots. And yeah, it's the first great. time you've seen him do it. And you're like, what was that? And it feels like he's using his gun as, like, his fist yeah. almost. And he's shooting over people's shoulders. That was the coolest thing. Because I looked up, you know, you were interacting with one of our fans on Twitter yesterday. I saw about a whole conversation. About and all that. Yeah, the whole conversation about headshots and the artistry yeah. of headshots. So I, I looked up Equilibrium, because I haven't seen it in a long time. The old Cronenberg movie with with, um, mm-hmm. Christian, Christian Bale, Bale and it's, it's like a precursor to The Matrix a little bit uh, it's like a, just a softer version and they do this thing in that movie called the Gun Kata which is like this incredible like you know samurai gun training yeah, thing yeah like you move your guns or, yeah. yeah and it's cool it's definitely cool it's not as cool as Bullet Time it's not as cool as any of the moves they pull in The Matrix it's definitely not as cool as John Wick but watching that the clips I was like I mean, this is just the difference of time. This yes. is just yeah. the difference of stuntmen who have yeah, done right. this for since that movie came out, making their own movie now. And it's, I mean, directorially, the choices they made were bold. Yeah. And it, again, it just shows, like, we're so savage. Yeah. Our culture. We like, really are. And, we've, and that was like, I debated whether that would be my thesis statement about John Wick. And yeah. John Wick, John Wick 2 basically says we've arrived at the, at the height of our savageness yeah. as moviegoers, which is really a human condition is like, we want to watch people execute. We just yeah. we're just so yeah. raw, but we, and this is sort of like now being able to watch <laughs> yeah. it in this in this definitive blast your brains out. It's like instead of being horrified, we're like, yes, the brains went flying, you know? Yeah, and that's just like, yeah, that's gladiator shit right there. Like I, that's. I was almost going to say it's like crazy because our audience they don't want they want that without feeling you know what I mean like they don't want to feel invested in the character they don't want to have like the heartbreak of it they just like that but then honestly in this movie when the sister dies not only is that the most incredible bathroom I've ever seen in my entire life but by the way almost a fist bump moment for me as well because I was like like, I didn't want her to die but part of me was like what the fuck don't let like He's supposed to be the assassin. Like, yeah. oh man! Like, is this going to turn into one of these things? And I was trying to, I was trying to make the plot in my brain going yeah. like, it's a cool scene. okay, he's going to spare her, and then he's going to go kill the bro-. like exactly. Oh, damn it! And I was kind of disappointed. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait a second! Like, she knows this she bitch knows. is getting killed. She, she knows he's never going to walk away. away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that like, was like, that was like, yes, that was right at the edge of my fist bump moment of like, oh my god! Like, they are not going to let this movie off the hook. This yeah. is what this is exactly, and that was amazing. And if they did. If they let her live, or if they would have done any of that, and if it didn't happen the way it did, it, yeah. this movie would have just completely fallen on, like yeah. just fallen on. Yes, yeah. yeah, I agree with you completely. Um, so yeah, I think that's I think that pretty well explores yeah. our fist pump. Let's move it. Let's yeah. move into. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to star profiles. It's kind of an interesting one. So uh, we have two stars. You have Keanu and you have Ricardo Scamarcio. Scamarcio. Yeah, he's an Italian actor who is a big Italian actor interested in producing over there, and mm-hmm. he's not really known over here. No, he I mean he fits the role well. He looks like the guy that he should look 
Yeah, and he's been in a few American movies. He was in uh, My Brother is an Only Child, which I think is actually Italian, but it was more well-received over here. And Burnt, which I and actually think I saw. Wasn't it the Bradley Cooper one? Yeah, it's the ba- Bradley Cooper one about like yeah. food trucks and all that. Maybe it's not an airplane. Chef. So that like is that. like the biggest American movie he's been a part of. Yeah, I don't remember him in the movie, mm-hmm. to be honest. And that though. was just two years ago, so he's yeah. he's still trying to break through. Yeah. Yeah, well... Insert bad guy there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, and that's. I mean, we complained a little bit in John Wick One that the bad guy there. He's as he's as like lifeless as he is in Mission Impossible Four. He's yeah, he looks Impossible great, the worst bad but guy. he's just nothing. He has a few lines. It's like not even believable that he could kick John Wick's ass at the end on a bridge. Yeah, that's, for a minute. That doesn't even yeah. begin to convince you. And this guy was better because he's more of a he's more of a shit weasel, which is yeah, good. Yeah, but in the first one, he said he's the man you sent to kill the fucking boogeyman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck so you don't boogeyman. need to do anything else after that. Like that was kind of yeah, his sure. whole role, and it was like okay. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Um, I loved him. So then moving over to Keanu, just like I was saying in the thesis, just we have... Travesty. But this is really weird. So yeah. t- so Taken, when Liam does Taken, the next stretch of his career is, you know, a walk amongst the tombstones mm-hmm. and run all night and Taken 2 and Taken 3 and... Those he, are all basically Taken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just... he did versions. He did every action movie yeah. he could get his hands on. He did a couple movies like Third Person with Paul Haggis and a few dramas, but he really embraced the action thing. He was like, I'm going to be the action guy. Maybe because he hadn't been in his career prior to Taken, so he was like, this is a fun thing I get yeah, to do in my 50s. I could see that. Keanu, I mean, John Wick was a big thing, and people loved that movie. People became forgot a, he was an action star until John yeah. Wick came out. But if you look at what he was in the next few years, and even what he's been in now, I mean, movies like Knock it's, Knock, movies like Generation Um, movies like The Neon Demon, which is, that's the Nicholas Winding Refn yeah. movie with, um, what's her name, Elle Fanning from, like, I think just... Yeah, like just last year. Um, that's the highest profile one, The Bad Batch, The Whole Truth. It's a, it's a bad thing if you want to talk about the movies being in and you got to go to IMDb to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Totally. So it's like, all... None of this is coming from memory. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird because he loves movies like this. He loves doing these weird indie small films that are just yeah. weird roles. Like Knock Knock was the was one of the first movies I'd seen in a while that I was like, oh, Keanu's doing like a, a Hollywood horror blockbuster. Yeah. And I was actually kind of excited to see Bl- it. Blockbuster used loosely. Yeah. Yo, well, that's, no, it really was. It was supposed to be that because it was yeah. riding the coattails of John Wick that Keanu is back that movie flopped, flopped. but you know what yeah. here's the thing movie making takes a long time yeah. green lighting stuff is really hard John Wick did not take off and it grew and it takes a it's long true. time for a studio or studio execs or anybody or overseas mm-hmm. for everybody to go like oh my god that is a success right like we all loved it so we think it's the greatest thing in the world but dollars and cents and numbers and viewers and yeah. things like it take a yeah. long time for that movie to be classified as a hit and as a bankable hit. And well, then even also, then, it's yeah. only the execs know about that. Because right? like yeah. most of the general audience, middle America especially, they don't know that it's right. a hit until after the second one's out. And by the way, and that's really the only way you explain to people to go see John Wick. I just had my brother the other day, who's a crazy action fan. Yeah. You've seen John Wick, right? He's like, no. And I, so I could explain it to him. And like I could explain it's the greatest thing ever. But yeah. I have to say, it's a huge cult hit. People never even really saw yeah. it in the movie. And now yeah. everybody's talking about it. And that you know, so that's taken that a while way. to get there. Everybody, We talked about this just the other day. Because the discussion about Moonlight and why that movie has been so successful. Yeah. And will it have a chance to beat La La Land? Which it won't. But uh, the, the whole conversation of like, if a movie makes a lot of money. If a movie makes a ton of money and gets a lot of awards. People know that it's good. Prior to the award season, if it doesn't make a ton of money, yeah. people need to be told what's good and what's yeah, not. Exactly. That's it's that's none of us are advanced enough if there's not a star attached to the movie like Moonlight, and there's kind of a star, but like not, not like a movie star, to know what to watch. Agreed. So John Wick comes out, Keanu Reeves hasn't done a relevant movie. I mean this 
47 Ronin, I'm assuming, cost three times as much as John Wick to make. No have. one saw it. Yeah. And I mean, cost a lot of my life watching it. Yeah, yeah, I'd like exactly. to send them a bill for yes. that to yeah. get some of my time back. So it's not just like put him in an action movie, it'll be good. It's like, like you said, nobody knew John Wick was going to be good. Mm-hmm. This yeah. movie was a total accident. So John Wick 2 now, because people, this is going to make a lot of money, I'm thinking. I know it did pretty well the first weekend, yeah. made all of its money back. The next phase is the one that we should be watching for. What does he do over the next three or four years? But I will tell you this. In the interview that I listened to him on this week, he talks about movies, and he's like, look, I just want to make things that I want to make. I don't really... He's like, John Wick was really cool. I really liked doing that. I love being an action guy. And, you know, thank you to Catherine Bigelow for putting me in Point Break as my first action movie because it changed my life. But... He's like, please go see the documentary I made about, you know, uh, the, the the digitization moving or film moving to digital. Go see this movie Generation Um. If you never watched Scanner Darkly, please watch that. Like, he's like, I've done enough. I yeah. I don't. I'm not making movies to to make money. I'm <laughs> making movies to make movies at this point. And I believe him. If you look at think, choices, I think the biggest problem with Keanu though, and and it's gonna it, I don't, it hurts to say this. Yeah, he's not that good of an actor. <sighs> That's why. <laughs> just, that is why you see him making these movies and like, nah. and, and that's why we're agree. not. Nah, I don't agree. I, I do. I mean, I agree with myself. I think this is a reason <laughs> of why his career is not skyrocketing. He's in that rough age of be- being like, are you too old to be an action star? Are you too young to be a dad? Right. And he's not a good enough actor to be thrown and thrust into those roles and succeed. I think your thesis from John Wick One was that Keanu Reeves is like the worst actor to work with the greatest directors of all time or something like that. It's, it was probably something about how he's the worst actor put in the greatest positions. I mean, he's been succeed. made fun of on like a Schwarzenegger level for years about being a bad actor. He's it's, not a good it's actor. It's a joke. I, he's, he's, a, he's a perplexing actor. I can't say that he's a great actor because I... He's never convinced me with his dramatic roles, but at the same time, I love Keanu Reeves' movies. I love Keanu Reeves in those movies. I love Keanu Reeves' movies, and I love Keanu Reeves in those movies, yeah. but what we're talking about is Keanu Reeves in the movies you love are mostly all action movies. Yeah, it's true. Or him in an earlier part of his career. You look at his career now and the movies that he does and the movies that he wants to do, he's not good enough to carry. So, so Brent, are mm. you, when you, you think he is a good actor, I'm assuming. I think he's on. pretty good, because I think he his... The character he brings to the specific movie makes the movie. And I think if you're an actor... And listen, I'm a little bit jaded because I'm in the business. Yeah. So I don't have the same sort of artsy look at things that a lot of sort of the fans... (laughs) like. I'm like dollars and cents and success. And the guy gets a role and usually he kind of nails it and it makes that movie work. And then you can say like, well, it was a simple role or he didn't have a lot of lines or whatever. But like... That's an actor's job is to like nail the role. So is it Citizen Kane? Could he pull that kind of stuff up? I don't think so, but nobody would cast him. So that. by that argument, then you would say Arnold Schwarzenegger is a good actor. Um, I, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger has been a great actor for what he's done because he so, sold it exa- so well. That's yeah. the same thing as Keanu, though. Yeah. So, yes. we, so, so then to that end, I, if that's your opinion that it's if it, it is successful and he is in successful franchises and convinces right. you in those franchises, right? I can understand that argument. I, I think you're coming from, and I agree with you. It's a different point of view. But yeah. if you're a character, like if you if you have a natural personality, yeah, it's like playing into that personality. Is that really that difficult? Like if you're Anthony Hopkins and you play those roles, is it? Is that, that all that difficult for him? That's his personality. Yeah, but where it's like if you took Jack Sir Black, Anthony Hopkins to Keanu Reeves, who's like a, a I get it. incredible. Yeah. I'm just saying that they're very different skill sets. Absolutely, and I, so it's like calling one an actor and who's a good actor, bad actor. I get it. There's there's obviously differences in in the level of sophistication mm-hmm. of the acting, 
But if you put Jack Black and you try to get him to be Conan the Barbarian, he'd have a hard time pulling that role off. You know what I mean? Like Fair. because that's a personality that you need to be to to make those things work. Probably it's be just like hilarious. It'd be hilarious. But record. that's the point. But, is like so. Jack Black was given. What was that movie? He was just in the uh, biopic about um, that weird guy that committed murder. He's like super. Can you look that up real quick, Marissa? Jack Black. It was. You guys will know what exactly what it is. It came out really recently. He's, okay. He plays like a gay, like weird, squirrely. Keanu Reeves cannot do that. Sure. He cannot transform to carry a drama biopic unless it's about a guy that is like Keanu Reeves. I am in full agreement with you, by the way. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to dignify both points here. Oh, cause I, I, I completely yeah. and I, I agree with what he's saying. And yeah. I think Keanu Reeves has been incredibly successful in the positions he's been put in, and I, and I love him. Because I, I think when you look at things he's been put in, like when he gets put in Shakespeare in the 90s, he's not good. Like those are the roles Bernie, where they try to put him into some, Bernie. Oh right? yeah, Bernie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Thank yeah. you, Marissa. Um, when you put him in those <clears> types <throat> of roles and you try to stretch him, which good actors when they're put in both roles can do, like Liam Neeson, for instance, can be in Taken and blow your mind. He can also win an Oscar. Like mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that I would say that's a good actor to me. I understand. Yeah, yeah it's it's two different opinions. So instead of talking about this forever, let's get into our next point, which this is segueing perfectly into, which is career defining roles for Keanu Reeves. Yeah. So the question we ask sometimes, we can't do it on every episode because not everybody has this, but he's right in that interesting thing where yeah. does Keanu Reeves have a career defining role? A clear, <clears throat> no question. It's at the top billing, and you would say, when you say Keanu Reeves, I think this, and that's going to be the opinion of 90% of the world. And I want you to go first, and, I want, and I'm want, and i going to say this as delicately as I can, is that you're <laughs> a little older than we are, and yeah, you've been true. in the business a lot longer than we have. So you're the type of guy that if I was going to be like, what's Keanu's movie? You've seen every phase of his career. What calls out to you the most? I, I would have to say Point Break. <clears throat> really? That's the career of my yeah. but Really? Johnny Utah? Yes, that's because... So it was established him in the action sort of space. It yeah. established his character and and defined his limitations, I believe. When he came off of like a Bill and Ted's, which was probably his most popular one at the time, yep. and he came into that, it basically said, here's the box you're going to play in, boy. Yep. And from this moment on, you're kind of got to stay in that. And so when you talk career defining, I say like that put the parameters to where his success would be in his career. And then The Matrix would be not a career-defining, but a sort of a career pinnacle for him, which is like the the best version of him and the biggest movie and the most success. But once he did Point Break, and he said, I am an FBI agent, (laughs) you know what I mean? And like... That moment was cement. Those were cement yeah. acting shoes right there. So uh, I love the points that you make on that, and it actually changed my mind. But my question with that is for the audience is like, when people say, or when you say Keanu Reeves, what is the role that you think pops in most people's minds? Well, it would have to be The Matrix, yeah. only because it's the most popular right. and the most current for the the largest demographic. Okay. And so I think I think the second half of your answer was the was the essentially like the answer to that question, which is the curate pinnacle. Yeah. And I, I would agree that Neo is a career defining role. I mean some guys, even if they have a character they've played a lot of times, like Mel Gibson's played Riggs in Lethal Weapon four times and he won an Oscar for Braveheart. But yeah. I don't think Mel Gibson has a career defining role. Whereas I do think Keanu does. I think because uh, so Point Break is my single favorite movie of all time. Yeah. I love the movie more than anything. I've seen it probably fifty times. Um, Speed, I adore Speed. Love Speed. I love the John Wick movies. Bill and Ted's are fantastic, and there's only one good Matrix movie. Yeah. But doesn't change the fact that if I think about Keanu Reeves and I think about generationally, like our generation, a younger generation, an older generation, it's all going to come back to the Matrix. Yeah. It all comes back to Neo because no, like. Let's be honest. Bill and Ted is past. It's if, yeah. the, the third one will get made at some point, but they're working on it right now. Yeah, there's a couple people bidding over it, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, that will get made at some point. They remade Point Break. No one saw it. He had nothing to do with it. He wasn't even in the movie. Speed had a bad sequel. There's never probably going to be a Speed 3. No. Uh, basically, John Wick will have another movie, and mm-hmm. it'll probably be more like a Taken 3, where yeah. very less people will see it, because it's kind of the nature of these things. And I think probably... The Matrix won't fade. The Matrix... No, it can't. It's, I mean, the, it's the, iconic in a way. one of the most important movies ever made. Um, that's so crazy because I was actually going to say Bill and Ted is his most career-defining role. Really? It, and I've never even seen Bill and Ted. Really? I've never seen oh, Bill and Ted. It's funny it's because good. I have Yeah, a, a, but I mean, he's never experience. really done another comedy. Right. So it's like, it's hard yeah. to say that that defined his career. Good so comedy. the reason that I say... <laughs> so when we talk career-defining roles a lot on the show, we talk about like the role that when you say his name, that's what people think of. And for some reason, for me, Neo feels like it's most correct because you know I'm in my I'm almost 30 now so there's this generation younger and older than me that are still all in uh, still just as invested in movies as I am so Neil felt the most correct yeah. but Bill and Ted is the one where it's like that's what got him started that's Keanu Reeves like that is who he is to everyone like even for someone that's never seen it I'm like oh yeah Bill and Ted's actually an inventor Bill and Ted's but to be fair who was the other guy in Bill and Ted's Alex yeah, Winter yeah that got him yeah. started too and yeah. that, look how that went so yeah. getting started is not your career, it's yeah. But if we're a lot talking of get about cast in movies, yeah. roles that define who you are as a person, like yeah. as an actor, I did have, I do have to agree, it's Neo. But you're so right when you make that point about Johnny Utah. True. His career, he would have never been Neo had he not been Johnny Utah. And that's, I'm telling you, that's, there's a story that gets told a lot. Yeah. And I'd heard it before, but it's about Catherine Bigelow fighting for him to be in that movie, and they're like, "You want to put this head, like, yeah, in Point Break." across from Swayze as, as an FBI cop, agent? Yeah. And she's like, yes. And they're like, no. And she's like, trust me, this is the guy. And they're like, well, yeah. let's meet him. And they turned him down. It was like, we need to put him in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's the only guy that can play this role. And she convinced him. And that's Keanu's whole career. Look at him now. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. So I actually... I, I do think it's Neo, but I think that the most important movie he ever did was Point Break. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. You know, I was just thinking about this. So you talk about in when there's a trilogy, and the first one is so impactful. Like, mm-hmm. The Matrix was so impactful. It's almost the, a perfect movie. Yeah. It's unbelievable. We did it, it on the is. show, and it was like, yeah. when we watched it again... It just shows it, that whoever wrote The Matrix probably didn't write the other two. Yeah. yeah. No matter what those guys say. So the second and third movie... <laughs> Are bad. Those are not good movies. Yeah, I can remember dude. virtually nothing that happens in those movies. It's like well, um, this experience of riding the coattails of something. So you want something so bad yeah. that you'll accept it. So let's just take let's say Vigo for a second. All right. So Aragorn is Vigo's role. That's like no question. That's mm-hmm. not even a. There's not even really a conversation about that being a career defining role. What if the first movie had come out had been just as successful as it was, Fellowship of the Ring, but Two Towers and Return of the King had been god-awful, like on the level of the two Matrix movies. I can't even think about what that world would be like. Let's just assume oh, they were... See, I, I almost live in that world. Because really? I didn't like You don't either like those movies. Oh, my I God. loved the first one. Yeah. I didn't really like the second or the third one that So much. let's assume that worldwide they had made money, but no yeah. one cared, and like they had right. literally gone down as those other two movies. You have to wonder... Would Aragorn be Vigo's role? Because at this point, Eastern Promises, he Oscar nomination for that role. I mean, like he's been in a ton of no, big movies. I mean, movies. there's only one though, because that those movies you can't you cannot yeah. fight against Lord of the Rings. You can't. No, compete. and you also have to have another big movie to be defining for mm-hmm. people. Yeah, you know it's true. I mean? he's he never doesn't really, really have another breakout movie. movie. And those are three of the biggest, most successful, greatest movies of right. all time by most. And, audience, and don't forget, know? like for Keanu, like Speed was a monster film. Monster, monster. monster. So, so now you're talking about a guy who's got three monster films yep. mm-hmm. and a cult sort of Bill and Ted classic kind yep. of thing. Like 
that's nothing to shake a stick at. Like, he's got some real... Like, you could have... Now, it doesn't take three guys to argue over whether The Matrix is his... Defined, like, right. is his biggest one that's most known, but... Yeah. But he, what put him in those roles and continued to put him in those roles and stopped him from going in comedy and going in drama and going in any other thing yeah. to find out he's maybe a mediocre actor right. yeah. was the fact that Point Break was a amazing movie yeah. and he was yes, sort of typecast from there <laughs> and he was able to, to stay in that lane and be incredibly successful. That's such a cool fucking point, man. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's move through production development. Uh, we've talked about this on the last episode. You want to walk us through really quickly on this one? There's uh, a couple interesting points. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot to talk about with production of twenty of, of this film. It almost feels like just regurgitating talking about the first John Wick. Yeah. So basically, after John Wick got released, it was it was almost instant. They were like, "This is going to be a trilogy" because it was so successful. They made so much money, and they were all surprised by it. So, <clears throat> what's his name? Basil Ivanyik. Ivanik was the is the uh, head of Thunder Road Productions. One oh, of yeah. the guys that took on John Wick and um, Lionsgate and Summit are the one that picked it up for distribution. They really just kind of took a shot in the dark on this. I don't know why exactly they thought at the time it was what they needed to do. I don't know if they. I mean, it's for, the first movie costs less than forty million, thirty million dollars, right? Yeah, this one's less. forty. I think the first one was like twenty. So less it's than that. still and yeah. it's it, it's still a lot of money. You know that. Yeah. You know you've been yeah. a producer. You yeah, know forty mils. It's still an inordinate. Yeah. I mean a lot of money but for a massive action blockbuster especially yeah. a sequel yeah like 40 million dollars isn't a lot yep you know so anyway so they took a they well, took I mean a, my the company I'm with STX Entertainment their entire world is built in budgets at that range for yeah. high profile stars that want to do passion projects and it's all in that 30 to 50 million dollar range and it's a lot of money but in in that world, that those are low budget films. Actions, yeah. yeah, it's hard to do action yes. for forty Very unless you're hard. Ryan Johnson doing Looper. Yeah, right? well, exactly. When we covered <laughs> when we covered uh, Looper, that's still one of the forty million dollars <laughs> to make that movie is just absolutely incredible. So in February 2015, the directors Chad Stileski and uh, David Leach um, decided they were going to develop the second film. Now Stileski and Leach they actually co-directed the first movie, but due to the DGA. Um, Basically saying you can only have one director to a movie unless there's an extreme extenuating circumstance like the Coen brothers, for instance, or people that are related. You have to have one director, and the other person has to be a producer. So Leach happily fell into that producer role, and, I, and I'm pretty sure it, there hasn't been a lot out about this movie because it's new, um, but I'm pretty positive they took on the same co-directing style as they did in the first one, and they kept their respective roles in the credits. And the most interesting thing that I mean, you haven't pointed out here, but it's pretty common knowledge, is that these guys had worked in the stunt world for oh, yeah. 20 plus years yeah. with had, Keanu had doubled Keanu forever yeah. um, going back to you know the Matrix movies and prior so they, they knew him and, they, and that's a tough leap to yeah. come out a stuntman and be like hey I want to direct a movie and that kind of stuff that's not easy to do but that's how you get Keanu involved yeah. that's how you get the name yeah, yeah, yeah you go they did the pitch. Point Break they did all the Matrix but again at the time them. that wasn't like hey guess what we got Keanu yeehaw yeah. it was like mm, ah, can we please have 40 million yeah, please give us 40 yeah you we know, like, that was <clears> tough <throat> at the time Jockman won, won that was a very yeah. still a tough sell but Definitely. these guys knowing working with him that they they wanted him on board they needed Keanu to be their dude because he was kind of their segue into moving from stunt coordinating to directing um, so they also the other credits they worked on were like 300 The Wolverine Mr. and Mrs. Smith um, <clears throat> they also worked on The Bourne Ultimatum so is there anything else you want to talk I mean, about no with these shit. guys specifically no I mean that's you pretty much nailed it with those guys that's the most important stuff with those guys Derek Kolstad uh, the writer yeah also wrote the first film and he I mean if you look at the stuff that he got to start re- like a rewrite on uh, the Cuba Gooding yeah. Dolph movie One in the Chamber 
I mean, like, Cuba Gooding and Dolph in a movie is already, like, that's just already entertaining enough. Cast. <laughs> it's funny because I've always said, like, that's the dream job for me in Hollywood yeah. is production rewrites. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> they get paid a lot of money. <laughs> they do. Oh, the yeah. script's already done, and you just got to, like, change a few things and make it better. It's like, it's hard, and you don't have to take credit. If you if you do the production rewrites on Geely or Ishtar, right. bomb. Yeah, it's, it's like, like hey, I don't tell really anybody. <laughs> Nobody knows. Yeah. If you do something, if you did production rewrites on Braveheart, you get yeah. to be like, yeah, that was me. I wrote that movie. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a fantastic gig. Thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's funny. It's, it's a hard gig to get though. There's a lot of people that want to do that. Listen, yeah. I'm still haven't done it. Um, so yeah, basically, uh, Colstad had the idea in the first place that he wanted to make this movie, and essentially the premise for him was like, you have this guy, he was Satan, he leaves the life, he goes to hell, somebody pulls him out of, you know, somebody tries to pull him out, do the gates of hell open up, and he brings hell back with him, and that's yeah. that's the whole premise, and it was a fan-fucking-tastic premise for the first movie. Didn't really have to do a whole lot to make the second movie, aside from build this, this assassin yeah. world, which yeah. is the coolest part of the movie, and yeah. I give him lots of credit for creating that world, because that's... And Unbelievable. As crazy as it is, is like John Wick for for people out there that just think it's a throwaway action movie. It was, it was a winner and it was featured on the blacklist. You know, for the best the script. Yeah, know, the script was on there for the best unproduced scripts in Hollywood or in 2012. Um, as we've seen with Passengers, that doesn't that always doesn't work out always so well. Work out. Yeah. Though I actually heard somebody telling me the other day that that movie is like you should. I, they were like, it's it got bombed. You should watch it. I skipped it because I. Heard it was so 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 bad. Yeah, same. And on top of that, I don't remember who directed that movie, but it's directed by somebody totally relevant that yeah. you would be surprised directed it. I can't remember like more of an artistic either. director. I, this came up in trivia the other day, and I was like, "What?" Hmm. Um, so Skipped it. All yeah. right. So moving on here, uh, there's not a lot about productions other than yeah, it just came out. I mean, all, yeah, all the stuff that'll come out. Yeah, down the so, road. So. Uh, this was released by Lionsgate and Summit. It cost $40 million to make. It opened last weekend. Uh, made $30 million domestically and an additional $11 million worldwide for a gross total of $41 million making back its budget. But it did get destroyed at the box office by Lego Batman at $53 million and Fifty Shades Darker at $46 million. Um, the one thing I would say about this... It's not going to beat Lego. No. They've got to be happy they made back their money in the first oh, weekend. Of course. That's great. Yeah. But I will say the produ- the promotion budget on this movie, the marketing was so much bigger than the first movie. Yeah, so you're talking about another ten to fifteen. Yeah, in that yeah. for sure, it'll make it back. And then the VOD on uh-huh. this one, so this movie oh, can yes. be very successful. It'll, in the third it'll one. be very profitable. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It, it's just you know it's not going to because win the first one didn't Lego have Batman. the same international reach yeah. mm-hmm. as this one already had, it didn't, it, and so they'll they'll hit fifty or sixty domestically anyways, and then it'll it'll this will cross a hundred million for them. Oh so yeah, that'll be good. and even the domestic reach. Did you see John Wick in theaters? The first one. Uh, no, I didn't know. No, yeah, exactly. None of us did. I mean, Keanu is also one of those stars. It's, it's weird. We talk about this sometimes on the show. Denzel being the great example of the hugely successful guy that does not do that well internationally. Keanu actually does pretty well internationally, even on yes. smaller yeah. pictures. He still makes money. Yeah, it, that's a bizarre conversation. Um, in fact, I think it's because uh, of movies like The Matrix and Scanner Darkly that like. Yeah. Is that race? Oh, no, it absolutely yeah. is. We've talked about that a hundred times. There's a reason why Denzel's box office is lower yeah. than Tom Cruise's. Yeah, because yeah, the rest of the world's racist. Exactly. Yeah. That's <laughs> a lot of it is. Um, so before we move into the critical, I want to pull up really quickly. I pulled the box office uh, where John Wick 1 ended up landing domestically. For the um, year? Yeah, yeah, because it's really interesting if you look at the movies that it finished around. Because we all know John Wick 2 is going to end somewhere like in the top 25 this year probably. John Wick 1, I think, if you blow this up for us, I think it's like number 71 domestically or something like that. And I found this to be... Ahead of? I found this to be fascinating. So you have... A million ways down the west. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Wick is number 77 that year, right? Uh So if you go up, you've got The Judge, 
right? Coming in at number 70. So the judge makes... The movie and Downey? Yeah, that made more money. Birdman finishes one behind John Wick. Birdman won Best Picture. Yeah, but its theatrical (laughs) run was done by then, right? That is hilarious. I just like... Sometimes I find these to be fascinating because like... Need for speed. As you said, no one saw John Wick. So a movie that with the kind of cult appeal that can spawn a a sequel that's going to make this much money... Doesn't happen very often. No. This is lightning. Yeah, 77. I mean, that's... Like I said, it's the Patriots in the... Yeah, Super yeah Bowl exactly. Yeah. Every single possible thing had to go exactly right. Yeah. And if we're going to talk critically about this movie, like IMDb gives it an 8.5, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, all critics give it a 90, Top give it a 79, the audience gives it a 93. Consistent with our normal, which is that the audience always has our movies on this show rated the highest. Yep, always. Yeah. Um, they did it right. This movie was so hard. John Wick was so hard to bring to the next level. How do you heighten this guy? And... Now, I know you didn't feel like it was a, is a little too long. Ben and I did. Um, but it wasn't, like, too long. If you're watching this movie at home and you get up and go to the bathroom and you get up and get a drink, this movie feels the perfect one. Yeah, you know I agree. What I mean, you're not just stuck in the theater seat. Well, I, I think I also I found that, you know, the first opening scene was a little bit much. Like, I was, right. I was yeah. like, whoa, we're right into this now. He was a lot of karate. A lot. I was hoping for more gunplay in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then it sort of, like, got into the credits and stuff. So I was like, almost like that was okay, that was passed. Then I was interested in the plot coming up to the assassination. I was like, okay, this is going to be good. Yep. And then it went through this crazy blow-up. Oh, my God. And then it was like the next... Oh, oh, now he's got a new bad guy to go after. Right, yeah. So I found, like, plot prog- progression time-wise was okay. Um, so I didn't I didn't fault it for being too long. I thought it was okay. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit after the movie, but um, Ruby Rose as a character was basically totally irrelevant. Oh, yeah. She, like, didn't add anything to the movie. <laughs> and she didn't she's, get a lot of money because she didn't have to say a yeah, word. She, <laughs> she was added to the movie because she's, like, a hot, sexy name right now, and people yeah. like her, and she's she's cool. Unlucky. And, uh, but she's just... Lucky, is that what you said? I said unlucky. Unlucky, yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, this movie felt 25 minutes too long to me. And it was and her part. You could get rid of her, and this movie would have been better. This oh, movie, you could have edited her out and completely never seen her The movie would have just been better. Right. Through and through. Like, yeah. you, you could have skipped... A lot of the action that she's even in, and it's nothing against her. I mean, she no, didn't say she's anything. Fine, and she's was, fine. There was never a moment though with her, even at the end, because she. W- I mean, the second henchman, the last guy before the final boss, is always the toughest. That's how it's usually supposed to yeah. be, unless yeah. it's like a martial arts movie. You know, then the final guy's the toughest. But yeah, it's Busey is, is more yeah, terrifying and lethal weapon the than second, the old. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got you. Officer Murtaugh, don't be foolish. Yeah. Yeah. But she wasn't <laughs> like when you knew they were gonna fight, and they kept like building it up. Yeah. You knew that she wasn't even going to stand a chance. Yeah, well, he had just killed 136 people. Right? Yeah, he had killed Common, who and was like... Seen Common? I, so you weren't a huge fan of Common. He was all right. I loved him in this movie. I thought, yeah. he, was, I, I thought he was a good choice. He didn't have a, he didn't have a lot of leeway to, to make this role sing. Yeah. Right. He needed to just stay in the lines, and I think he did that well, and... And it was fine. I just again, it was just like, oh man, he had to fight that guy a lot. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? And the one scene though, at, like this was probably one of my favorite moments of the movie. When they roll down the stairs and they get they break into the. They head. roll down a lot of stairs. Yeah. Eddie's like maybe a drink to calm things down, mm-hmm. and you're like, of course they're gonna have a drink, and they're gonna cheers. Yeah. Cool. Like that was awesome. That, that was, was really so cool. cool but moment. for me, the lead up to that awesome moment, yeah, was too long. Too many stairs. They fell. Yeah. The movie. Is the perfect metaphor. They fell too mad down too many stairs. Yeah, <laughs> one really flight did. of stairs would have been fine. Well, yeah, because I mean that's what that's what I, was, I mean that that's was so true. that was another one of those moments where I was like, listen, I've I've rolled down like six steps, before. like six stairs, and I and I had to quit my and job. And he like died crazy. from that. Yeah. I like broke a finger, I think. I was, yeah. you know, and he was already shot at this time. Yeah, and yeah. got run over, and like. When a guy like, runs okay. into your legs with a car it hurts from the a side, yeah, you're destroyed. Ruptured all your tendons. You're, it hurts you're a lot. yeah, you're Willis McGahee. Like you're you are screwed. Like there's no yeah. 
<laughs> and so it's like I just don't know why they didn't make the decision to have him jump a little bit so it didn't look right? so like Anything. injuring yeah you know? yeah and so that he was, was too superheroish that was definitely the thing and and so the combination of those two things but uh, and what's the problem unfortunately that's editorial choices yes and that's really hard to do when you're so connected I mean I do this all the time I put out shit on TV lots of times yeah <laughs> in my career I have a lot of series I've done and mm-hmm. some of them not so great because you get so connected to the process yeah and you're so intimately connected to the work that you don't objectively look at it and make the decisions and editing that stuff is really really hard so and so they, they yeah, could they have cut out so like many half second and just just the interaction between them they didn't have to throw as quite as many punches they didn't have yeah, to have, yeah. you know block each other so many times it, and it would have been the same scene one flight of stairs and they end up in that cool moment and that would have been progressing the story and you do that throughout the whole entire film and yeah. you lose that 18 minutes yeah so yeah. Let, me, let me ask you really quickly before we get into our next segment because you just made reference to something that we haven't even talked about which is that you have put a lot of shows on television this uh, is a, yeah. it's a cool thing you've done yeah. Really, yeah. Lots, like, lots 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 and in the world of what you do getting as many shows on television as you have is a very successful and very incredibly difficult thing to do mm-hmm. so unbelievably so true. what difficult. is the show you've put on television you would say you're the most proud of proud slash successful and also the mm. one that you just like shake your head where you're just like oh man <laughs> Why did I fight so hard uh, for that? That one. was my Under Siege 2 Dark Territory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, listen, Greatest but, sequel of all time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, listen, that's tough because uh, I, I, you know, I sold a show uh, called Extreme Makeover Weight Loss to ABC, which was an Extreme Makeover one for weight loss. It was a very difficult show to sell. When I went in to sell it at the network, I basically had to say, hey, listen, if you buy the show today, you won't have this on the air for like 16 months. Yeah. There's a good chance you might not even have your job by the time this gets on the air. But you got to buy it, and it's and, you know, and, and to be able to sell that was a really big moment. It was a def- for me, that's a defining moment. That's in my a career. pretty good selling point too. And then I can go through the list of like, oh, how that changed lives and and affected people, which is great. But the truth is, is that you know, I'm one of a giant team of people sure. that make these shows. My specialty is not physically making the show, mm-hmm. so right. Um, so the sale of it and sort of the delivery of that is something that I'm super proud of. And Bar Rescue would probably be the other one because it's sort of culturally the biggest hit that I, yeah. uh, that I that I sort of orchestrated and put together and built but again like I am not responsible for the overall success yeah. of Bar Rescue because the people who work on it every day and designed it mm-hmm. and were in the, in the field and giving notes every day yeah. those are the guys who sort of like made it with, and John Taffer so you know I, I'm more of a producer in the sense that I package these things and sell them so that was a big thing for me you know so a mixed bag is I <laughs> Um, You're skirting the second yeah, question, which so I'm really I, had show, I had a show that I put on. Uh, I had a show that I put on very early in my career on, on uh, network television on Fox called "The Princes of Malibu." Okay, I know this. Princes, Princes of Malibu. Princes of Malibu. Exactly. Which yeah. was the birth and the foremost uh, notice of everybody on TV of the of Spencer Pratt and the Kardashians okay. and Brody Jenner. Amazing. Their entire sort of career and TV career sort of spawned from that moment. Um, and so that's one of those ones where it's like, oh yeah, that 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 was me. So all right, well kind of yeah, but you so. gave the world these people that are the princes massive, of Melbourne. Yeah, you know, yeah so. so that was a pretty funny sort of all right run. So fair enough. Well, well uh, I mean, hats off to you either way, because Ben and I, and for our audience that doesn't know, we we pitch shows and we work very yeah, hard digital on digital concepts, content, and you put a lot no, of work, and then it, is it doesn't go no anywhere, so. fucking joke. Oh yeah, yeah, and I I mean I like I I do a lot of sort of consulting and and speaking and and I say like. More than nine out of ten of the things that I pitch don't get bought. Yeah. So I go out every day and pitch shows that don't go anywhere all day, every day. Yeah. So that's tough to to deal with. And then the networks buy, you know, they'll hear a thousand pitches a year and yeah. buy ten things, and then so nine crazy. of those will fail. Right. So it's like welcome to the world of this. And that's because to your original thesis, 
none of us know have any about what we're doing. Full circle. Yeah. All right, so, so bringing it back to Keanu, his greatest successes. We're going to count down right now to top five. Our top five Keanu Reeves movies. Who doesn't love a top five? So uh, I think it's pretty safe to say, based on a lot of the conversations we've already had today and the knowledge of one another's favorite movies, probably three of our top fives will be the same. I'm guessing. But let's count backwards, starting with five, and we'll each do our five, because I'm assuming five and four, possibly three, will be the interesting ones. But maybe I'm off here. So uh, I'm going to start out with my number five, and that's going to be The River's Edge. I'm sorry, what? Like, what is that movie? Directed by Tim Hunter, starring Crispin Glover, Keanu Reeves, Dennis Hopper, and Ioni Sky. Why? Is that are even you, a real movie? Are you, you saying this up? to like show off that you no, know this about was, movies? I told you, there's there's nine or ten that He's I got access to IMDb in here. Yeah, right. all the there was like nine or ten interesting ones that were like they could have been my fifth. Right, Parent, well, when you watch on my it, list. you let us know how it is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a murder mystery coming of age movie with a bunch of weird characters. It's but it's awesome. It's, it's like good. if people haven't seen it, like if you're thinking like darker, weirder Keanu movies from that time, like maybe like uh-huh. My Own Private Idaho or movies like that. That's a, I haven't seen that that's in so a, long. Yeah, it's a good movie. River's Edge is worth it. Uh, Parenthood was probably my number six. That was my honorable mention because I loved that movie. I loved the movie growing up. Um, those are like my weird ones, but you're not going to talk about the replacements? Nah, I didn't love the replacements. <laughs> I didn't love the replacements. Uh, no, my f- number five is The, uh, the uh, Devil's Advocate. Okay, yes. I Tony Gilroy. Our My number Tony? five is also the devil's advocate. Is it really? Yes. Wow! Yes. That's amazing. That's I can't cool. believe you, this there number five is the same. Boom! There's a fist bump moment for you. <laughs> yeah! Yeah, so wow. I love that movie. I can't yeah. believe you guys both have the same number yeah. five. That blows my, my mind. Weird, creepy movie, man. Yeah. And, and what's your number four? Yeah. Well, so just quickly on The Devil's Advocate, because we've done every Bourne movie on the show. Yeah. The Devil's Advocate is written by Tony Gilroy. I did not know mm. that. The writer of other movies, the, the writer and director four. of Michael Clayton, is yeah. like one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, I like uh, it. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, huh. My number four, I'm going to go with John Wick 1. So I struck John Wick 2 from the record because it's too what? brand new. I, happened I loved here. it, but I can't right. it's low. do it. It's low. So John Wick 1 is my number this four. like a Russian judge and right. ice skating there. What is going, going on? Yeah. My number four is Point Break. I've got to tell you it all. Yeah, yeah. You know where it's going to be for me. So yeah, it's yeah, my number four is Speed. Nice. Yeah, Speed. So I think that we're going to start having some duplicates yeah. here. Uh, Speed's great. Speed was the what the third or fourth episode we ever did on the show. I think so. Yeah. yeah, we've done what we've done. Wick. We've done Speed. We've done Point Break. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've we just not need done to do the chain reaction. We have not done the the, the River's Edge. We never will. Nope. Um, my <laughs> my number three is going to be Speed. That's uh, that was my okay. Yeah. Uh, mine is John Wick at three. Uh, mine was The Matrix. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That yeah. low. Yeah. I can't wait to hear your number one. Yeah. Too. All right. So what's your two, baby? So my two is The Matrix. Okay. Mine's Speed. Yeah. My number two is John Wick, the original. Okay. Fair. Yeah, and then number one for me is Point Break. It's the best. And mine favorite. is Matrix. Yeah, and mine is Point Break. Yeah, uh, nice. Okay. Two out of three two with the Point Break number one. Fair enough. So All you right. love Point Break. You I adore that love movie. Point Break. Like crazy love. It. Where would you rank Point Break on your all? It is in my movies? top ten. Oh, oh, in my action movies, it's in the top for sure. Top five. Nice. It could be top three. And on your favorite movies of all time? Top ten for sure. Without, wow. really? without cool. question. I didn't know that. Yeah, you guys like each other. Yeah. When I was uh, in I, elementary school, I was in okay. sixth, sixth grade, actually. I was 11 years old. Uh, my brother gave me a VHS copy of Point Break. And he was like, we watch this, we watch this all the time. And uh, he gave me that in The Player, the Tim Robbins movie, uh, and which is great. But I mean, I... Yeah, I know that movie inside and out, like the back of my hand. It's part of my sort of vernacular in life. So good. And uh, funny story is I wrote a script one time back in the day when I was just doing lots of stuff and I was all yeah. popular and I was like the cool kid in town kind of thing for a hot moment. So I was writing a couple screenplays and I wrote a screenplay that was 
scene for scene with Point Break. And when I was writing the screenplay, I literally watched Point Break and just restructured the scene. Was it called The Fast and Furious? No. Fast and Furious is identical, of course. And that is why I did it. This was about a a TV crew that was in nightclubs that robbed the nightclubs. What? Oh. You're crazy. That makes sense. Anyways, so yeah. So I literally copied it scene for scene. Tyler, I lied to you because I thought you would leave. Good guess, huh? Fuck, Good why guess, am I so what? bad at this? <laughs> <laughs> that voice feels one of the worst things ever. Why am I so bad at this? It's like uh, my favorite thing ever. All right, guys, uh, that's our top five Keanu Reeves movies. If you like a five that are different than our five or you have one you wanted to throw in there, um, you guys have any honorable mentions that almost made it for you? I told you Parenthood was close for me. I actually love Something's Gotta Give that almost made it for me. I do really like that movie. Uh, Devil's uh, Advocate is really good. I mean, yeah. wouldn't have thought it was I wouldn't. Five. I, I would have struggled to get another one on there. Yeah, okay. I honestly yeah. did. Yeah. I was like, maybe I would just throw Bill and Ted on. None of us have Bill and Ted, right? Yeah. You know, well, I, I didn't even like Bill and Ted when it came out. I like, I wasn't it. a big fan of it. Like, yeah. I didn't, you know, same yeah. with Wayne's World. I wasn't a huge fan of that. Like, yeah. it slaps the goofy over the top kind of. I just wasn't a big into that. Sure. So it never like stuck for me. Yeah, yeah I, I like I like Bill and Ted's. I don't think I ever saw the second one more than one time, but I watched it growing up a lot. The first one, it just it's not my favorite movie. Yeah. Um, so anyway, moving on to our favorite line. This will be one of the final games we play here, guys. <laughs> mm, um, I was waiting for this. Me too. Yeah, I have so, a great favorite line. Go ahead, I'm jump in, first, please. The, okay, my favorite line in the whole movie is when he arrives at the continent continental in Rome. Yeah, and he talks to the guy that's in charge. <laughs> is this yours too? Yeah, for yeah. sure. No, for I'm sure. sorry, man. But it's when he, he the guy he's he says he wants to check in and he turns around there's the guy and he talks to him he's like John Wick you're here and he's like man, ask you one question yeah they start speaking and he's like are you here to kill the Pope <laughs> yeah and, and that, that line, was my favorite line by a mile so good because are you I must ask you one question yeah are you here for the Pope are you here for the Pope yeah. and then just look on John he's like <gasps> no and the best thing is yeah, that my favorite line too That's John hilarious. Wick is the only person that can kill the Pope yeah and that guy knows it but it was a, it was sort of defining like element of the sort of throwback to the whole series of the idea like this guy and this syndicate network and these like what he represents that's where they think like yeah. he could be there to kill the Pope it's the it, most outrageous yeah. thing ever exactly it's if John Wick's coming out of retirement he's gonna either kill the Pope yeah. the yeah. Queen or the President <laughs> yeah because that played into the idea like in the first film where it was really cool how everybody knew him yeah, yeah. you know like when he it, when he it, when he was uh, with Kevin Nash or whatever in the in the bodyguard it's like yeah. oh hey Mr. Wick like everybody knew him because he's Thank that you. famous yeah. and, that was, and that was like sort of a yeah. homage to that moment where it's like oh yeah he's that popular the, the question is like oh shit he's a Rome. Are you here for the Pope? Yeah, it's so cool. Like, that was great. My my favorite line. That was great. I actually, yeah. my favorite was uh, when we have uh, Peter Stormare. What's it? Yeah, Peter Stormare. Peter yeah. Stormare uh, in the initial Russian dude, and he's telling the story of the guy. And he's like, he's trying to tell the story. He's like, this fucking guy's like with a pencil. I know. I've heard the story. But then as soon as he said that, I was like, we're gonna see the pencil this movie. Yeah, yeah. I was like, we're definitely gonna see the fucking pencil. So as soon as he said it, I was like, that's awesome because I yeah. laughed out loud. And I was like, I when's the pencil coming? Because yeah. I know yeah. we're gonna get it. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was great. So that was my favorite. So good. Um, yeah, it's fucking. If they hadn't shown I'm gonna kill him, I'm gonna kill them all in the trailer. Maybe mm-hmm. I would have liked that moment more, but I just, nah. it was a little. It was a little bit. I was like, yeah, we just saw over. you kill everyone. So yeah. one thing I will say is there were actually two more lines that I thought were really cool. It was one that Lawrence Fishburne says to John Wick about the scar on his neck. He's like, you gave me a choice that day. Either I could pull my gun and shoot you and die, or I could hold my neck and live. Because he like slit his throat. I thought that was cool. But what I thought was cooler was when they came back to common later, and it, or I mean, I guess. Fishburne thing happened afterwards, After, yeah. but the, it was like kind of a, a tribute to the common thing. Like him, if he respects you, apparently yeah. 
He might not kill you. He'll give you an option to either live or die. Right. So is Common alive? Is that what we're going to assume? Because he's yeah, stabbing through the... I think so. I if think you pull it out, you're going to bleed out? Yeah, so if he, he says, goes into a hospital and you pull it out, then you can immediately take care of it. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but I just thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, agreed. It's, it's the, all these characters, right? It's a good line. Yeah, it was cool. It's the save the cat moment. You need you need him to do something that yeah, something to inform their character in that way. Yeah. Um, so anyway, guys, uh, I don't think we really have time to get into Cage versus Cruise. No. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. By the guys. way, Tom Cruise could have done this movie. Nicholas Cage, no. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's usually just us doing it. stupid impressions. That's what the segment's really about. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do some good impressions on here. I but can it's been imagine. Um, so uh, there are three action movie categories. This one's really interesting. Totally. So there's three categories. Totally ridiculous. Totally legitimate. And ridiculously legitimate. Totally ridiculous movies are like Con Air and Face Off. They are laugh your way to the bank, hilarious. Demo man, you just know. yeah, they're awesome, but they're like really too silly. Totally legitimate movies are going to be movies like Lone Survivor, The Fugitive, even like a Terminator Two, which is pretty grounded in drama. Uh, doesn't really make you laugh unintentionally. And yeah, the middle even if category, it has like aliens and robots, it's still oh, it holds yeah. together well. The middle category are def- it's defined by movies like Predator, Point Break, Speed, The Rock, uh, The Rock. Yeah, they're awesome. Usually very compelling. Have at least one element that's really strong. But there's definitely some unintentional laughs. It's hard to avoid with a movie like Predator, even if it's awesome. Yeah. Point Break, I laugh throughout, even though it's great. This movie is a hard one to define for me. I can't decide if I think it's... It's definitely not totally legitimate for me. No. No, definitely not. I think, For I, me, it's like... It's kind of totally ridiculous. Yeah? If you're not a big fan of John Wick 1 and, like, this genre, it's totally ridiculous. Because the superhero element of it is so over the top. And the lack of anything else but that sort of yeah. similar fighting technique and yeah. style over and over and over again. Damn My it. wife left the theater. Wow, really? really? Yeah. She wasn't feeling great, and she was just like, yeah, I've seen enough. Yeah. Is it okay? And we had separate cars. So it was like, she's like, is it okay if I just go home? And I was like, yeah, get out. You know, I think- you've, you've swayed me twice tonight now with my opinion, and I, and I actually have to agree. Totally I was going to say that it was ridiculously legitimate because of the world that it... That they create, yeah, that's my favorite part, and that's what makes it feel real to me. But you're right, man. Like you cut out all that extra shit, the extra couple rolls, the extra flight of stairs, the extra gunshots, and you've got a great, a great fucking movie. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in this one, you are constantly suspending belief. John Wick would have died 15 times by the time this movie yes. was over. A hundred times. I'm gonna say this is ridiculously legitimate for me. Really. And the reason I say it is because the precision of the action. The execution mm-hmm. of what they do and the execution of creating the assassin's world; mm-hmm. those two things are memorable enough and of high enough quality. When I think about the movies, that for me, like Face Off's awesome, but like Face Off doesn't do anything that's definitive or groundbreaking. I mean, Con I mean, Air doesn't do anything definitive or groundbreaking. They're like re- rehashes of other styles. This is a pretty unique experience. There's only a few movies I can think of ever that have this level. Yeah. So that's to me what grounds it and keeps it. Valuable and why? But it's I think there's enough of a detraction. I hear you. Yeah, it's close. The, the number and the sheer volume of that action. I was to s- make it feel like you yeah. know what it just it the precision of it would have been better served with less with less of it, less more on the quality and less on the quantity. Yeah. yeah, and then you could have qualified in your sort of totally, yep, ridiculously legitimate. Yep. Yeah. But I'm okay. You should have an asterisk. Yeah. Yeah. Which is close. I'm totally okay with it. It's right on the edge. I was going to make the same argument. The world itself grounds it into reality and makes it ridiculously legitimate, but I, yeah, I can't do it. Yeah. All right. So, guys, we only have one category left on the show, and that is called The Pitch. (laughs) 
So uh, this week, guys, we're gonna do what we did a couple weeks ago, where uh, last two weeks, two weeks ago, you picked three of your guilty movie pleasures yes. on a poll on Twitter, and that was how we ended up doing the Punisher from 2004 with Thomas Jane. Sweet movie. Movies that didn't make it that week were The Art of War and The Ghost in the Darkness. And The Ghost in the Darkness. Uh, oh. I yeah. loved that movie. Right? <laughs> I so loved lovely. that movie. Yes, I loved it. Do you love The Edge also with Alec Baldwin and and you Anthony Hopkins where they fight the bear? I do. Yeah. Yes, we, I did oh, love that dude, movie. That's, that's one of our favorite episodes favorites. we ever did. Yeah, really, it's I love that so movie. Good, yeah, we adore that movie. It's yeah. hard to know what you're supposed to love. You, you don't want to get any. Yeah, that yeah. No, yeah, no, no, no. no I love whatever that one. you want. So, guys, go follow us on at MA Podcast. You're going to find my three guilty movie pleasures. I have to really think hard about this. What I want to put up there. This is my one shot to put up three ridiculous movies. Don't blow it. I can't. Yeah, I can't use a shoe, and I got to go with one that we never would be able to do on the show otherwise. And uh, you go follow us at MA Podcast. You'll be able to vote on that. You can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media. Brant, where can the folks find you? Uh, at Brant Pinvidic. Uh, Instagram, you, Facebook, Twitter. Yep, and you guys can find me at Andrew Guy. And check out Brant's movies. He's got yeah. uh, he's got two out there. They're free. You can watch them free on YouTube. Well, you can yeah. watch the short on film. I, I can't get my Facebook one to be free yet. The oh, Amazon's still selling it. So well, uh, unless you're a Prime member, yeah. it's on Amazon Which Prime. Most Everybody should be on. Prime. Yeah, I'm you on just, Prime. Yep. By the way, you just type in Facebook on Amazon Prime. It's the first thing that comes. Really? Up. Oh, yeah. Boom! I wish that was the case yeah. with any of the movies we do on yeah. the show. Yeah. That would be great. Did. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Search John Wick Two. Our episode. Great. Anyway, guys, thank you for watching. We will see you same time, same place next week. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Brant. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.